Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 27, um, things that the United States could learn from other countries. And before I even get started, I had an introduction prepared and I was ready to go. And uh, my amazing co-host, uh, the dude I've got to include, my buddy Jared, slapped on a fancy bass line on that intro music. So I got to give you a shout out, man. I enjoyed that. Well, that was all, funky. Uh, I can only take so much credit. It wasn't me. I uh, I uh, I had it uh, commissioned out to to you could probably guess who, who's the bass player that we both uh, our mutual friend slash bass player. Chris Blaker. Oh, yeah. oh, very nice. Well, shout out to you, Chris Blaker. I was telling that was him a that um, funky little bass. I was line. telling him that I I told I I told you that I figured out how to hook my keyboard up to my garage band and I could play any mm-hmm. instrument, and I was like, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a sweet something on here. And uh, then I was like, give me the chord compressions. I'll figure it out. And then I started playing, like playing and trying to figure it out. I was like, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And I was t- telling right. Chris how I was doing it. He's like, I could do it. And I was like, oh. Okay. Man, shout out. That that spruced up the intro music quite a bit. God damn. Yeah. Um, you know what's ironic is um, I recorded it when I was still in the States. And I, I had a bass laying around. But I, what I did was I doubled the octave, like an octave lower on one of the guitar parts, thinking it had enough bass. But... Good call, man. We needed that extra little bass pump in there. Well, thank you to Chris. That was uh, all him. Um, however, back to us. Enough of Chris. <laughs> Follow us, please, on, uh, inst- on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Uh, Twitter, Untranslatable One. You'll find songs of the pod there. Uh, you can email us. And other fun links as well. That's true. Not just that. On um, or you can email us at the untranslatable podcast at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on Facebook. Or you could watch us on YouTube. Or you can listen to us on Spotify or iTunes or Podbean or wherever there is any sort of even remote cell service. Exactly. You get internet, you should be tuning in <laughs> to the untranslatable podcast without a doubt. <clears throat> Yeah, and the Facebook page is uh, brand new, and we really hope you all will enjoy it. I've been also uh, trying to post my fair share of good language memes on there and things that make me chuckle. So and I like it. Hopefully, you'll, uh-huh. I like it because uh, Chad no longer is shoot Spitfire sending me language memes all day. He just does it in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is <the> true. <laughs> Or into that the is page. true. So now Jared, Jared <laughs> can see all my all my goofy language memes by checking our Facebook page, as all of our amazing listeners should be doing. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's been a little while since I've talked to you, buddy. Uh, yeah. What's been going on? Uh, you know, it's it's been sh- shockingly uneventful. Living life, you know, going just a uh, just the routine. You know, I'm I'm settling here, as we talked about right. uh, on last on the last episode. Was that? I, I believe I so. Believe yeah. it was. A couple episodes ago, yeah, maybe. I, don't know. I can't. I can't keep track. <laughs> Me either. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no. It was. You're the one. You were in Prague all week, weren't you? Wait, how did you go to a big band concert? Uh, yeah. So we discussed that on the pod, and I was really looking forward to uh, giving all of our listeners a review, um, and, and just kind of to talk about it. But unfortunately, of course, the day of the big band concert, excuse me, was going to be performed. It was rained out because they had like an outdoor little atrium. Uh, So I was not able to make it to the big band concert. um, Well, because it was canceled. But while I was in Prague, 
I went to my first ever Czech opera at the National Theater in Prague. And let me tell you, man, that was quite something. It was also three hours long, had three intermissions. Three intermissions? Um, Also had three intermissions, so I had three Pilsner Urquells. It was just a a whole lot of threes. Yep, one per intermission. No, I meant three per intermission. (laughs) Oh, three per intermission. That would have been, oh, man. I don't know if I would have been able to uh, make it through the entire uh, three, the entire three opera. Requests, please, and you just stand at the bar, just like, <clears throat> thank you, or I'm right. gonna go back and enjoy this. What was the? Uh, I mean, I did have to slam a couple of them. I'm not even gonna lie to you. How long were the intermissions? About I think five to ten minutes, uh, maybe okay. fifteen. Right. Yeah. Um. What was the? It was an opera that you saw. Yeah, it's it's a very famous Czech opera, which I unfortunately had never heard of. Um, it's called um, Lubisha. Um, and here, let me let me find some information for all of our listeners out there. So, um, so this opera um, was composed by a Czech composer. Um, his last name is Smetana, um, um, Be- uh, Bedrich Smetana. Wow. Um, yes, and uh, thank you. And although I, I still don't have that no one R sound uh, <laughs> done yet. But it uh, it was originally, believe it or not, written the libretto, um, or kind of like the text or whatever, was actually originally written in German. But then it was translated into Czech by a gentleman named um, Erwin Spindler, which also sounds pretty German to be honest. It does. But um, this is kind of about a Czech historical I think sh- myth. There was someone named Spindler. Uh, wait, no, I was thinking of Schindler's List. But I believe someone in oh, Schindler's no, List different. was named Spindler. Could be. I I've actually never seen that movie before. Oh. Um, yeah, I need to need to probably go see it because I've heard a lot of good things about it. Although it's pretty sad. Yeah, well. But anyways, back to cost, so. <laughs> r- right, back to uh, Lubisha, this this opera, and that's one of the title um, characters of the opera, and um, they are um, prophesized. Uh, they basically prophesize the founding of Prague, and the opera itself was composed in 1871 and 72. Uh, and believe it or not, this was actually for the coronation of Franz Josef as the king of Bohemia. But this didn't actually happen. And uh, Smetana saved Libusha for the opening of the National Theater in Prague. And I learned today, that, I was, was talking that what, to my that mentor. Was his goal? Um, he said he what, saved well, it, it was, like he... Um, well, yeah, so I'm assuming he probably just waited to debut it at the National Theater, which is also where I watched it, um, which was pretty crazy. Uh, but what's interesting um, is that I was talking to my mentor today about the National Theater in Prague, and it turns out that all Czech citizens or most Czech citizens all paid one crown to basically pay for the National Theater to be built, and then apparently some years later, it unfortunately burnt down, and it was so important to the Czech people that they paid another uh, crown again to have it built. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Especially mm-hmm. if you think about it like that. Like, do you think we could do that here? Everyone just gives a dollar to build something. Um, Is that enough to sadly, build it? Uh, here, I mean, that's that's what that's what my, my mentor said. So I'm how, how, how many people are, I would say 330, that's America. How many people are in the Czech Republic? What's their... Uh, oh, God. I, I don't know. And obviously, it was different back oh, then because right. this was in the 1800s. Yeah, so... This was in the late right, 1800s. Right, right. Um, but 
you know, I don't know. I'm sure some people who had more money probably donated more too. I would imagine. Right. Um, right. You know, I mean, patrons of the arts, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite an opera, though, man. It was really interesting. Um, but I tell you what, had there have not been subtitles, I would have been so damn lost. Where were the subtitles? It was it was crazy. So. So I've only been to the only other opera house I've been to is the well actually I've been to a few in Vienna, and the ones in Vienna one of them the, the Staatsoper the State Opera House it has a little screen right in front of you on the railing and you can choose I'm pretty sure at least when I was there I right. thought you could choose the language whereas this one right on top of the stage this tiny little projector screen it was literally like maybe two feet like down and maybe six feet wide okay and it had and it projected the lyrics up above and on top was czech and below was, was it easy to read so yeah oh okay. yeah it was it was fine to read but it wasn't too um, intrusive, I th- intrusive excuse me not really no i had to read a lot of it because i wanted to know what uh what happened in the in the opera because Operas aren't like other concerts where I think you can just sit and listen. If you, I mean, obviously you can, but I actually wanted I wanted to know the significance of this opera because it's a very important um, part of Czech culture. So I thought, you know, especially if I go into my English classes and tell my students I saw, um, uh, you know, Libusha, and then they ask me about it, I can't be like, well. The music was pretty, and that's where the conversation <laughs> ends. You know, it's kind of one-sided conversation. Right, right. I like that. You always get your students of mine, too, like that. Interesting. Yeah, I guess. I, I notice, too, sometimes, and this probably isn't a good thing, but a lot of times, like, I, I got to, like, turn off teacher mode a little bit. Like, if I'm around anybody who, who I know is, is, like, interested in language learning or something, I'll, I'll usually like drop random little factoids and stuff. And sometimes I can be like, all right, I need to chill out with this. I'm, I'm getting too teachery right now. Well, actually, now. it turns out in the, in the 1800s. <laughs> well, it works, it works well here because I'm an idiot. Right. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far, and, my uh, man. I enjoy hearing about it. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so this opera, though, just a couple other little things. It was What was interesting is... Um, it was kind of about these two brothers who their father dies and they have to figure out, um, you know, who will get the land, who will inherit everything. And the two brothers. So back then, according to German law, the eldest would um, inherit everything. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, Libusha decides uh, in favor of equal division, which angers um, Krudosh, who's the oldest brother, and then he leaves up in a huff. So he was just being kind of the typical arrogant asshole older brother. Like, I'm not getting my way. Like, I'm just going to leave. And the younger brother was, like, super chill about it, and he was fine course, with it. he thought it was usually um, he wouldn't get anything. Right. And, and But then you learn later that um, Krudosh, the older brother, he loves this woman named Krasava. However... Um, she actually then begins to love his younger brother, um, Stalov, uh, to and make him jealous. <laughs> no, I haven't. Right? <laughs> right? So, so yeah. So, so that was kind of a, a big problem there, too. But then the like guy who opera. ends up... Right, I mean, it's, it, I mean, I it's got it the word opera, opera right yeah. in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, As I and, said, uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> 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 is this where the oh my gosh, soap operas? Uh, is this where operas uh, got the idea from? Soap operas? 
Right. Probably. You never know. But uh, but yeah. And then so the next scene, we learn about this farmer named Pr- I can't say his name. Permissal. It's got the R with the hot check on right. it. Um, but he he's watching the harvest, and then a royal escort. And when I say royal escort, I don't mean a a noble prostitute. Night. I mean <laughs> right. I don't mean a lady of the night. I mean this white horse comes and he recognizes it to be um, Libusha, and they bring him back to marry her. Which then, because she's the queen, he becomes the king, right? Mm-hmm. So then, uh, the last act is a celebration of the wedding. So Libusha marries Premishlal. I can't say his <laughs> name right. And Krasava to um, um, Krudosh. Um, and then basically, um, Krudosh had um, insulted the queen, which I'm sure in nobility that was like a big no-no, big thing not to do. And uh, then um, he apologizes and still saves face, so he doesn't have to be like exiled or killed. And then the very end of the opera, um, Queen Libusha has a prophecy where she tells future visions of the Czech nation. So wow. it was really interesting. Yeah. That sounds like it would be good if it was uh, in a movie form. Was it good in opera form? It was great in opera form. The music was amazing. I would even say that some of it was a bit Wagner-esque, uh, which I really enjoy a lot of and Wagner's music, like the orchestrations and the harmonies and the the shifting of tonalities, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think it'd be an interesting thing in movie form. But the music is so beautiful, I would say you have to go see the opera first. Wait, so was there... Once again, I'm an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> was this uh, a, a play that was acted out as well? Or was it just all singing and... and in an orchestra and whatnot. Well, I mean, like I said, um, it's like a like an opera. So you have the all the stage stuff. So okay. you have different props, and in between the acts, they reset the stage with different right, right, props. Right. So there is acting, and people and, are singing and, and dancing. And oh yeah, orchestra mm-hmm. below it. Right, gotcha, correct. Gotcha. And what was interesting is I thought I counted like eight or nine upright basses, which to me seemed like a lot. Like a lot of. You know, I could be very wrong, so I hope I don't piss off any of our uh, orchestra fans if out there. If you're wrong, they but should not be getting pissed off regardless. That's true. Email that's true. Or tweet the untranslatable. That's podcast. right. Or Facebook us now, too. Oh, uh, yeah, you can do that, too. Um, but yeah, and so I thought it was just interesting that, we're, that there were so many bases, and there were just so many parts in the music where, like, like it would shift and then end in this beautiful, like, you're seeing my hand motion, sadly, yeah. our listeners don't. Like this beautiful, like... Crescendo? Well, crescendo of, like, uh, um, resonance where it just all comes back together again. Like, it's all kind of, you know, like... Yeah, no, by the way, every time Chad stops speaking, he's doing the hand motion. <laughs> right, I'm trying to think of a better it word all for comes... it. I mean, it... it <laughs> to a resolution. There we go. Ah, there it all resolves. Go. Yes. The music resolves. Yes. Yes, sorry. Um Exactly. So, yeah, so that's uh, what was going on there. The other cool thing that I got to do in Prague was uh, we went to this really awesome beer garden called the Letna Beer Garden. So we stayed in Prague 6, which is a little further out. What, what were you uh, in actually, Prague for? What was this? Was this just... Uh, I was a teaching orientation. Okay, okay. So I was there with other English teachers, and we were discussing, you know, um, what we've been doing at our schools and, and got just some English really teachers? good tips. Um, yes. Oh, so most, they're all well, so they're all Americans and other people from from the organization as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They weren't all Americans. I mean, but they're all English speakers, is what I meant. Yeah, 
and 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 there were yeah there were some checks there and, and everything huh. else it was it was a great time though man and uh this beer garden um i'll have to post i think i don't know if i already did post some pictures if not i will um we were right on top of like this big hill in prague um had some really good um czech beer and could just look out and it was just amazing you could see the entire city of prague it was so beautiful that's awesome i i miss i miss beer gardens I mean, we have them here, but it's not, it's not the same. It's not the same, no. no. They just had here, here rows like and a, rows and rows of picnic tables. Here's just a pathetic imitation. Right. Oh, for Especially sure. Especially in, in, in a big city like this where you can't, like you don't have like, it's just, there's, there's barely vegetation. <laughs> Who are we putting right. here? And it's, yeah, it's not in like a nice place. Like, right. like this was literally in a park. Yeah. Um, which is like perfect. Yeah, that is perfect. You can't really beat that. Well, sometimes that's for they do. Sure. Uh, here they do have like, um, like a, what do you call it? What do you, what's the, like beer gardens in parks during the summer. But still, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. You're, I'm getting angry now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jared, since you're getting a little angry, I think we should move on and bring some positivity yes. and uh, give some of our shout outs for this episode. Yes. Do you want to start or would you like me to start? I can start. Go for it. Valentino Dixon. Oh, bro, are you serious? You're stealing my shout out. <laughs> you know, I had. Uh, a, continue though. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, we don't talk about this beforehand, but I had a slight feeling that that's what yours was going to be as well. Oh, interesting. And so I was going to let you say it first, but I was like, I have a feeling, and I'm just going to go off this feeling and go with it and see. Wow, good job, Jerry. I was yes, thinking about it. Continue. As I was, I was in the kitchen like 20 minutes. Well, not 25 minutes ago. Just. Uh, like, yeah, I bet Chad's going to have this one, too. Anyway, do you can talk about it. Go ahead. No, you, I got. I have two other shout-outs, oh, actually. So oh, okay. I do. So okay, I, only I always one. come prepared, Jared, because I know great minds think alike, <laughs> and you might have some of my shout-outs. There were dozens of witnesses. Uh, so this is, so, um, this is from the New York Times. But Valentino Dixon was uh, – I'll just read a little bit of – because they, they said it better than I will anyway. Um Valentino Dixon, there were dozens of witnesses when a gunfight broke out on a street corner in Buffalo on August 10th, 1991. At least three people were injured, and Toriano Jackson, 17, was killed. Valentino Dixon, then 21, was at the scene. Hours later, he was arrested, and in 1992, he was convicted of murder and sentenced to almost 40 years to life in prison with no chance of parole until 2030. Um, For years... uh, uh, Dixon fought uh, that conviction from behind the bars, uh, insisting that he was innocent. There was no physical evidence that he uh, con- that he was connected to the murder. And then, apparently, according to the New York Times and a bunch of other places, after nearly three decades of a couple uh, of unusual twists, they said, uh, including a Golf Digest uh, profile that featured his drawings of golf courses, his murder conviction was uh, vacated on Wednesday. And Mr. Dixon, 48, walked free. I feel like some parts were missing from what I took out there. Mm. Well, there's a big part that you're missing. And actually, I was going to do this kind of as a two-pronged shout-out. So, obviously, shout-out to Mr. Dixon, who is out. Um, yes, that is a two-pronged really shout-out. You're right. Sorry. Go ahead. And and the other the other important factor of this is also the uh, um, the Georgetown students that helped him uh, apparently, they worked very diligently last semester to challenge his wrongful murder conviction, and they really advocated for his freedom. Um, and so, and what um, Valentino Dixon said is 
The Georgetown students made, be a, made me a believer that anything is possible and that justice can be done. Um, so it was 16 Ooh. undergraduates, which were a part of this prison reform project. Um, and Mark Howard, who was the professor, um, co-taught the course. And uh, um, yeah, so that's pretty amazing. And so the names of some of these students, uh, three students in the course, Ju- uh, Julie um, Fergonas, Isabella... Guntalake, Guntalake, and uh, Naoya Johnson were the ones who worked on Dixon's case, and they interviewed witnesses and experts, as well as Dixon's original prosecutor and public defender. So, yes. So, shout out to, obviously, Mr. Dixon for getting out, and for this professor and these students for working so hard to help this man out. I think that is really an amazing, uplifting yeah, story. and they're undergrad students. I mean, they're younger than us. Right, doing big things. Yeah, that's for sure. But age and I have two other. Also, is is what I would say. What do you think it's like though to like get out after? I mean, you you've been in jail. Oh, dude, I can't even imagine. Twenty six years. Right. And to get out after twenty six years, and 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 just, I don't even know what. Like, oh my god, I feel like yeah. If I were wrongfully accused of murder and i was put in jail for 26 years and got out the first thing i had to do was kill someone i'd be like someone has to die now (laughs) (laughs) this is right yeah and then i go back in because that's how it always works they go back well i think another problem too though is is our i i mean this could obviously be a topic for an entire other episode but i think our prison system itself is not you know it's very flawed um yeah but but let's continue with the positivity because I have no, I have no, I, yeah, I have getting, no way to I'm getting mad again. <laughs> really emphasize that, right? Right, and exactly, and that's and that's worth getting angry about. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah, but there's my other a lot two. More. Oh, oh, the, you know, there's a ton more. Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely not a thing about it. I mean, we could take right. All the, so my uh, other two shoutouts, Jared. Um, this first one is a guy named um, Jose Andres, who he has a he has a nonprofit called World Central Kitchen. And uh, it says here, after serving three million meals, excuse me, after serving three million meals in Puerto Rico, chef travels ahead of Hurricane Florence to feed even more. So shout out to um, Mr. Andres for um, going to Puerto Rico alone. It says here he served over 3.6 million meals and his team stayed, I know, and his team stayed for an entire year to keep making food for the recovering nation. Um, so shout out to him. He seems like he's really doing a lot of great things in Puerto Rico. Um, and I hope everyone who's affected by this hurricane will be all right and will be able to get back up on their feet afterwards. Yeah. Um, and my last shout out is uh, not to one person, but to a country specifically. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, Jared, but Germany just launched the world's first hydrogen powered train. How does that work? I have no idea. Do you have any more information? Um, you can't just leave it at that. Okay. so Well, right here it just says here, um, the world's first ever hydrogen-powered train has been launched for commercial use in Germany, signaling yet another victory in the shift towards sustainability. The Caradia Island passenger train, which was developed by rail transport company Alstom, can travel 600 miles on a single tank of hydrogen, Using special fuel cells, the trains generate energy through a combination of hydrogen and oxygen, which excess um, with excess energy stored in lithium-ion batteries. Yes. Oh, like a car. Yeah. So isn't that crazy? Oh, that's so this awesome. is a zero-emission train, has low noise. Um, yeah, that's probably super the, quiet. 
Right. And the only exhaust is steam and condensed water. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. So, it's clean energy conversion, flexible energy storage and batteries, and also smart management of traction power and available energy. So, shout out to Germany. Um, I think we really do need to be moving away from fossil fuels in the long run. Um, and we have the technology and the know-how, or, or we're getting there, to start using more sustainable ways of transportation. What One thing I've learned, this actually is, a, I guess, a kind of part of our main topic, is that one thing I've learned, um, I do a lot of research into battery and, uh, and that kind of technology. And um, for my job, not just, I mean, I guess I do it not for my job, too. But anyway, um, and a lot of countries, most countries, say China, uh, a lot of European countries, they're adopting uh, and pushing the technology way quicker because they're um, they're uh, implementing these these stricter electric and electric car standards and, and mm-hmm. you know, and making them more incentivized to have electric car over a. Uh, fossil fuel car and um america is the only one that always especially it's, i mean it's at least in the near in the present in the present day has always kind of been reactionary in the automotive industry and it's and it's always led to um them being the last one to adopt these things because not always but not always that's not fair but it, i would say usually though yeah but especially definitely. now it's it's leading to them being because it's like we're, we're we're not in like the government's not pushing those and so if the government's not pushing it then the technology won't be they then there's no incentive for the companies to really push the technology as much as they actually can because it right costs, like can you, you have to invest in that stuff oh for sure but could you imagine if um like the oil industry didn't have so much pull and influence on our politics and how much like we oh, could yeah. probably improve it'd be really amazing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the struggle is all the money tied mm-hmm. up in, in money, in, in money. Right. All the money tied up in, in uh, oil, in oil, and fossil fuels for sure. And all the money tied up in money as well. That's also true. You're not wrong, Jared. <laughs> um, well, we obviously aren't um, economic experts or um, also environmental experts, but I would say we're we're getting to the point where we are becoming slowly and surely untranslatable experts. So uh, yes. I don't know. Do you hear that, Jared? Do you know what oh. time it might be? I think I, I think I do. The uh, the unmistakable cuckoo of the untranslatable cuckoo clock. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, Jared, I want to start this off with a check one for you. So this is... Let me start over. Which means, where the foxes say goodnight. Where the foxes say goodnight. Does that, was that what you say when you like punch someone in the face and knock them out? <laughs> I wish. I would say, like in a sentence, I would say... I would say, yeah, we're going to this town, um, but it's where the foxes say goodnight. Oh, it's like out in the middle of nowhere? Hit that ham horn, my man. <laughs> I'll give it one. Because that, that yes, sir. Yeah, it just try. means the middle of nowhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where the foxes go. Okay. I like that. The foxes say goodnight. What, yeah. what would we say? The boonies? The boonies, the middle of nowhere. BF, uh, BFE. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. I don't like that one, to be honest with you. I don't really either. <clears throat> My girlfriend says it a lot. Does she really? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but it is what it is. I'm not here to judge. She's a wonderful woman. 
Anyways, Jared, what uh, what untranslatable <laughs> do you have? Uh, my first one is uh, Lao, spoken in Laos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Nageu Nagak Sam La. Which means what word by word? Three wheels, apparently. Three wheels. Yeah. Um, three wheels. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, uh, that's that's a tricky one. Three wheels. Can you give me an example? Um. Uh, so you're uh, we're we're driving down the street, and there's some car in front of us, and they're just all over the place, and you're like, "What is wrong with that car?" I was like, "I don't know, man. That guy's got three wheels. He's driving like he's got three wheels." Driving like he's crazy. It's not really specifically about driving, though, but it's okay. essentially zigzag- zigzagging uh, around without knowing his or her way. Oh, so more like confused kind yes, of? Yes, yes. Okay, interesting. But I try to use the driving meta because they could also be confused, but also their cars could be all over the place is what I was trying to get at. Okay. I'm really so swiping I, on these examples. It's all good, man. <laughs> Practice <laughs> makes perfect. You'll get there for sure. The next one I have for you is also check. Um, and this one is, um, which means, um, to throw the rifle in the rye, to throw the rifle in the rye, to hide or like, like in a field, throw a rifle in a field. Oh, oh, to just take a wild guess. That's actually pretty good, but it actually means, well, do you have any other guesses before I reveal it? Um, to just like um, jump it uh, to no, I don't, I don't. I feel like I'm close. So to, to throw the rifle in the rye or hodit um, flinta dojita is um, to throw in the towel or to give up. Oh yeah, right? that makes so sense. You're like done, and you're like you know what? Screw this! I'm throwing my rifle in, yeah. the, in the rye, throwing it in the field. Okay. Uh-huh. Throwing the towel is what we would say. All right, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I'm throwing my rifle in the rye. I'm surprised we don't use that in America. Right? It's because we never throw away our guns. <laughs> yeah, we never give up. It's never the gun's fault. You never give up. Treat right. the gun Guns like don't a kill human. people, Jared. You know people kill people. My next one is Arabic, specifically used in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And it's Araj al Jamal Men Chiftu. And uh, the literal translation is the camel limped because of his lips. Oh, wow. Interesting. The camel limped because of his lips. Um, can you give me an example? Um, so, hmm. uh, so you and I are hiking through the woods and, um, and like always, you're behind me just complaining like, Jared, I can't go any farther, please. I can't. I have giant blisters on all on both of my feet. It's killing me. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, bro, we're almost there. And then we get back, and, and uh, you have like no, your feet are fine, and uh, you were just, uh, and uh, you were limping mostly because of your lips. Oh, so you're like complaining about something, but it's really nothing. Yes. By the oh, way, the fir- the look you gave me was like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> Yep. But then you got it. Yes. Yep, I did. So it's essentially okay. making a big deal out of nothing. And making uh, a mountain out of a molehill. When huh? someone is in slight pla- pain, excuse me, but, dramati- mm-hmm. but dramatizing their situation. 
The Lebanese okay. say Araj. Uh, Araj El Jamal Men Shiftu. I bet you they say that a lot during soccer matches. <laughs> yes. Yes. Neymar. I'd be willing to Rolling. Uh, <laughs> right. Rolling, rolling. Dude, have rolling. you seen? There, yes. there were so many videos of him just like, oh, man, I love those. It, those dude, it made me funny. legitimately dislike no- Neymar. I used to really like Neymar. And watching him during that World Cup, I was like, this is p- pathetic, bro. Well, okay. I Although last I time I said this was pathetic, at the, it turns out his back was broken. <laughs> oh, that, that is true. <laughs> I, like, I do Ooh. remember that. Maybe that did hurt but, a little bit. Well, I, I let me say this about Neymar. I think he definitely, like any professional soccer player, he definitely, you know, he he, you know, as they say in German, he he does some some theater. He makes yes, <laughs> he makes it very theatrical, right? But like, he also, I looked at the stats, and he was the most fouled guy on the Brazil team. Yes, that is true. Like there was one game where he got fouled like ten or eleven times. And I'm sorry, but at least three or four of those ten or eleven probably were fairly painful. I would be willing I, yeah, that's, to bet. That's that's true. That's true. And, and it, it, I think because like even you do have to somehow make it clear that I'm consistently getting um, attacked, but it's just so hard to watch. And I mean that's why I liked him. It's because he's like one of the best ball handlers in the league right now. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, and he's a, and he seems like a good teammate too. Yeah, he does seem like a good guy. Like I don't I don't dislike I I never really had any like I don't I never really like disliked him. He always seemed like he was a good guy, but uh, just watching him roll around, it was like oh my god. Like for example, when that guy like didn't even step on him, but just like grazed him as he was stepping over him, and oh, he did yeah. that extra flip roll, and it's like oh my god, bro. Right, right. Yeah, uh, it's 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 gone a little too far. What's crazy though, man. If you watch women's soccer, they don't do any of that. No, that's true. That's true. They don't do any of that. I've seen some nasty fouls watching like Women's World Cup, and they just get up and keep going. It's crazy how much more it seems like the men embellish things to try to get free kicks and other stuff. Um, it's crazy. But anyways, back to our trans- untranslatables. We could be talking soccer for episodes on episodes. Yes. So uh, I have a Spanish one for you, Jared. And you might even know what this means. This is fairly simple, um, at least like what what the words themselves mean. So, so the phrase is, um, "No hay color." Hay color. No hay color. Color is color. So no color. Yeah, basically, no color. It doesn't have color, or yeah. Is it like bummed out, seeing no color? Um, not quite. Um, I could say, for example. Um, my car is a lot faster than yours. Um, and I mean, you know, if I said it in Spanish, like there, there's no color or there's, Oh, there's no comparison. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yep. There's no comparison. Uh huh. I like that. No yeah. color. Yeah. Mi, mi coche es muy más rápido que el tuyo. No hay color. My car is much faster than yours. There's no comparison. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I got one more and it's uh Moroccan. Uh, Dirigi, Dirija, which is an Arabic dialect, so it's okay. a spin on Arabic, I guess. Uh, Aljar Tuma Dar. The yeah, I, I pause like you're gonna be like, yeah, well, uh, the neighbor, then the house. The neighbor, then the <clears> house. <throat> is it like your you should tr- your neighbors are more important than your belongings or your material things? I'll give you that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Ooh, all right. It's essentially, yeah, it's a saying when choosing a home, find good neighbors first. Uh, an Islamic teaching says they're, uh, take care of your neighbors, and that means 40 houses in either direction. So it's saying right. it's your, your community is more important than your stuff. I really like that. I think that's a lesson Americans need to learn. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. And uh, because, yeah, that's I was a good going point. to give. Sorry, go ahead. Uh-huh. I was going to give you another untranslatable, but that is just such a good <laughs> segue into our main topic today. What the United States can learn from other countries. I'm going to leave it for another time. Um, yes. So um, as Jared said, what was the untranslatable one more time? The untranslatable was Aljar Tumadar, the neighbor than the house. Right. So community is more important than the material things. Yes. Make sure you look after your neighbors. You have good neighbors. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I want to I want to just give our listeners out here a disclaimer um, that we are not just trying to shit on the United States this episode, but we have learned a lot from our travels. And I'm sure any of you who have traveled and been outside the United States have noticed things that other countries do maybe differently Maybe better, maybe just differently. Depends on how you want to, you know, um, spin it. And but, to um, be clear, just because we're mm-hmm. doing an episode on what Americans can learn doesn't mean that there is not a future episode in store of what other cultures can learn from America. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of great things in the United States, but there are a lot of things that could be improved that of could course. maybe also become great. Of absolutely. Uh, most definitely. Well, Jared, what, what's one of the first things that you have? Uh, man, I got a lot. Okay. One of the first ones I want to start with. I didn't even think about where I would start. Um, well, is it all right with you if I start then? Cause I got a, I got a clear cut one. So this one actually, and, um, and not all of these will be country specific, No. but this one I did get specifically from one country. Um, one thing I think the United States could learn from Sweden is turning trash into power. I think it's amazing. So Sweden actually burns trash to generate electricity, which allows it to power a lot of its homes and businesses. Norway also does the same thing. And actually, Sweden imports trash to, to, <laughs> to produce energy, which sounds pretty I've crazy. I've heard that before, but I never really knew if that was uh, a real or not. Where it's like, they're so green that they're, they import energy to, or import trash to make energy. But right. I guess they do. Right. And I mean, what's interesting about this is obviously if we wanted to implement something like this in the United States, we would have to build up the infrastructure for it. And I think it also is important to say that it obviously will not meet all of America's power needs because it's such a huge country and so spread out. Right. Um, But I think it's an interesting thing to think about for sure. And there is something to um, also having starting with full communities run off of like specific like there are full communities that are run off of batteries in some areas or mm-hmm. or or like having some sort of sustainable communities and if you start on a local level like that that's how it grows right vote local <laughs> think global or something like that isn't that how it goes something like that uh, <laughs> sounds about right uh, uh vacation time oh i was gonna talk about this one too but go ahead this is a good one um Vacation time, Americans do not get a lot of vacation. Americans almost, I I think, regardless of who gets more vacation outside of America, Americans always seem to be the one of the few countries, there are others, but one of the few countries that glorify 
working and glorify overworking. And that's seen as like a, like that's almost bragging in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. they say like, Oh, oh I'm always so busy. I'm always working. It's like n- n- not like, for example, um, Austria has uh, a lot of vacation time. Uh, every, uh, every country, I'll re- read a little thing about Austria real quick. Every country in the European union re- require every country. I did not know this. This is crazy. Every country in the European Union requires at least four weeks of paid vacation per year. So that's yep. the minimum for the EU. Mm-hmm. A month off every year. Wow. Isn't that great? Yeah. With you think about moving to Europe <laughs> to come stay with me, aren't you, Jared? <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> Next episode is going to be face-to-face. Um, with Austria leading, giving workers the most time off at uh, 22 paid vacation days and 13 paid holiday, 13 paid holiday, 13 paid holidays per year at a legal minimum. So that's just that country's legal minimum. So there are probably other businesses within the country that do their own thing. So the minimum- I was talking to an Austrian guy. Sorry to interrupt. No, Jared. that's all I had. I was talking to an Austrian guy who told me he has six weeks of paid vacation off plus all of those national 13 paid holidays a year. Damn. That's, so that's way what, more. Like eight, <laughs> nine weeks off a year. Wait, So he has six, six weeks, weeks off, right? Six weeks. How many days plus, is that though? Cause you have to take out the, is it like, is it including the uh, weekends? That's what I'm saying. Like, is it six weeks? I have no idea. He just said six right, weeks. Right, off. Right, right, right. So I'm not sure. That's crazy though. And what, you know, you, you work in, in the United States. What kind of vacation time do you get per year if you don't mind I actually think I have pretty good vacation, and they just changed it. So I have 19 days uh, a year, which I think is, in, obviously, and then all the national holidays, which is not that many, but right. not 13, that's for sure. But um, right. So I have 19 days, which I think is actually pretty good. That's not too bad. Um, in comparison, because when I first got to the company for the first – what it was, what my company was for the first two years, it was um, 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then for the, uh, maybe it's 20 days I have. I don't know why I said 19, but I think it might be 19. It's either 19 or 20. But, um, and then for the next, and then for like five to 10, it was something, it, you know, it was a little bit more. And then from 10 to, um, to however much on, it was like a month, which is, and then I think that's, and then that's, I think the highest you could get was maybe like a month to like a month and a half, maybe. Okay. Um, and but then within the last year they changed it. Uh, actually, right as I had passed my two year mark, they changed it to where at two years you get um, twenty days. And so the first year is ten, and then at two year, and then after the after that like kind of probationary period, you get twenty days, and then after that you get a month, and I think the final one's a month and a half. I don't know what the highest point is because I'm not there, so I don't really I don't pay that close of attention to what right. that was. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I have 20 days, which I think is higher than the average person that's been at a company for like as like three years. Mm-hmm. What what uh, do you know what the average vacation time is in America? I can look it up. I have I have no idea. Um, I think in the private sector though, it's about 16 paid vacation days, um, plus with holidays. But yeah, we have a lot less holidays. It seems like here in the Czech Republic yeah, and in Austria and in Germany. Um, a lot of these European countries, they have quite a few paid holidays off, which is nice. Uh, but you also really have to plan because a lot of these holidays, if you don't go grocery shopping, everything's closed. Sometimes even restaurants That's will be true. closed. Not always. Depends on where you are. But um, 
So you have to be careful and be aware of some of these holidays if you are traveling or visiting yeah. or if you decide to move to Europe. I go to the grocery store a lot because it's 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 like a you know a 8 minute walk from me. Oh nice. And so I I I'm like a I go to the grocery store like 3 to 4 times a week. And I don't know if it's it's probably not great for my budgeting though. I will say that. But I do like it cuz Well, it I depends. Can... Are are you buying a lot? No, it's just like I like to cook stuff. So like I usually right. there's some usually some variety and stuff there, so mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know what I'm well, going to cook until like this like the morning. <laughs> I oh. would say I would say that's a fairly that's kind of a fairly European thing to do though like go to the grocery store often and buy less. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I, I I'm not a snacker. A I don't thing. eat snacks too. I mean, I I used to be. I haven't been since I've moved here. Um really either. I'm not a big snacker now, but I think it is good to go to the grocery store less because I I've noticed also I don't really waste any food. And I would go to the, the, you know, I'd go to a big grocery store in the United States and I would buy so much food because, you know, you buy in bulk and it's cheaper and everything else. Then I'd end up throwing like a quarter to a half of it away. I hate doing that. I do that sometimes still. And I I hate it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. But uh, I mean, just the way that also in general, I think along with that is that just our packaging and our portioning in general is bigger than uh in mm-hmm. uh in other countries and like not not just grocery stores and stuff but also restaurants and oh, uh, i think that um like i remember there, there's a there's a uh popular italian chain in america called maggiano's mm-hmm. and i shit you not they give you like the, the for the dinner pasta thing it's must be just a a full standard box per bowl Oh wow! Like that's, it, that's wild. That's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of cobs. Because I remember I went there one time a, a while ago, and I had leftovers for like a legitimate week. I believe I it. I was like, yeah, this is a freaking box of of pasta that's, for person. That's, that's the other thing I've noticed here in Europe it was is, though. I oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, not not, but I, an Italian would slap me in the face if I said that to them. But it was good. That's uh, fa- well, you know, if you're not living in Italy, what do you? That's true. It's not like you can. It's not like you can call up like some random yeah, hey, Luigi, Italian you, grandma uh, <laughs> to come cook you legit Italian food, you know. But um, I would agree, though. I think the United States could learn a lot about food and dining culture. Um, I can't really speak for Africa or Asia or South America um, because I haven't spent time there. But at least in Europe, I have never really felt rushed in a restaurant in Europe. Um, no, whether it was in the Netherlands in France in Germany, well, there's, in less Austria. Of an, there's less of an incentive to do it as well because they're not as heavily incentivized by tips. Right. Oh, for sure. And that's another thing I think the United States needs to take note of as well is that, um, just pay your wait staff a good wage, a decent wage, and then everyone wouldn't have to tip them as much. Um, you know, I think that's a big thing. And, uh, like you said, it leads to, at least in my opinion, a more relaxed, laid-back dining environment where you can, you know, I've sat in restaurants with people for, you know, two hours and no one's ever bat an eye, whereas I think if you're in the United States and if you were just with a few friends, they like you know, put your check stop, down. But, exactly. Can we, uh, do you want to do anything else? No, we're good. We're just going to, you know, sip on these drinks and we're good. Oh, okay, okay. 
Uh, come back to check to see if they put their credit card down. Oh, hmm. oh okay. Yeah. No, no, no rush. Yeah, no. I, I, I've been to I've been to restaurants in Germany when I lived there. That's why I say in Germany, because it's all over though. But like where, um, uh, like I was there for like three hours and it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And like as we were leaving, there was one of them was like a neighborhood place. And sometimes when we were leaving, the guys like, "Oh, you're leaving? You don't want another?" Like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> See though, that's great. Like, you and it makes never... you want to come back too because it feels like you're like hanging out with friends sometimes when you go there. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I just, to me, the the more time I spend in Europe and then where I go back to the United States and I eat at a restaurant, I'm always I'm always irritated, one, that the the waiter or the waitress will come up and ask you how everything is like 80 bajillion times. Yep. And it's always right when your mouth is full, right? <laughs> like right when you bite into your sandwich or your burger or, or whatever. Yep. Oh, how is everything? <laughs> you know, you can't even answer them. I know. Yeah. It's awful. Um but that's how yeah. that's how it's that's how they're motivated. So there's no there's no other real option. Right. And I think like you said like the dining culture kind of comes from completely different veins, right? Like Europe it's it's not about the tips and about, you know, getting as many tables. I think in Europe it's more about like developing a very comfortable exactly, experience, exactly good experience, man. atmosphere. Right, exactly. Um, it's just a lot different, that's for sure. Um Oh, Jesus. I just had it and then my think my I just like moved my mouse weird and it just scrolled all over the place. Um free Wi-Fi. Not not just free Wi-Fi, but did you know America has surprisingly shitty Wi-Fi? Mm-hmm. In comparison to other countries? Yes, it does. And it's just all this in but in a, a, apparently in Estonia they have free Wi-Fi uh throughout the country. But yeah, I was reading that as well. There is just like all these like there's these all these things where it's just like there's no motivation. There's no motivation to um, to do that here because we have because it's like how is um, what's what how is like Comcast or Verizon? How how are they incentivized to do that? Because I would say right, they're, they're not at they're all. They're not. They're That's not, why their customer services is oh, the shittiest trash in it's the trash. world. So I I think that uh, like I wonder if there's like what is it what is it that's gonna push stuff like that if if it's if it's not gonna be any anything that I I still know I don't know there's I think it I think it would have to be somehow a, a movement within the people and and that's gonna be really hard to immobilize and get that many people to. Either boycott, so there are changes, or I don't really think protesting. I don't know. Maybe protesting would do something. I don't know. I don't really know, but but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the other thing that's interesting is the whole concept of the internet is so that everybody can be a part of this thing and use it, right? Yet we force people to pay for it when um, I could be wrong about this, but I thought a lot of the internet lines were built with our taxpayer dollars. Interesting. I mean, I, so I'm not that, sure, but I'll 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 believe it because it. I'll believe right. it. Right, <laughs> right, because like, if that's the case, then why are these companies coming in and monopolizing your internet? And depending on where you live, you can only go with certain internet providers, which I also think is because especially Chad, if America wants to, to. Someone has to manage that system. Someone has to. Uh, yeah. Give you uh, has to be able to set it up for you. 
apparently. Apparently. It's, yeah, it's just, to me, it's just crazy. Like, obviously, Estonia is much smaller than the United States, but I think it's amazing they have free Wi-Fi throughout the country. Um, it's really amazing. And, you know, if you work remotely, in theory, if you go to Estonia, you could work anywhere, Yeah, which is amazing. You know, here you have to either make sure you stay in a hotel or an apartment where you're like they have decent Wi-Fi and it may not even be that good. If you were um, in Estonia, we could do these these on the road, these live on the road again episodes that I've been begging for right? everywhere. <laughs> I'd be podcasting you from a mountain or something, man. I don't know if that's how that works, but um, I'm sure in all the cities and towns, right. yeah, they have Wi-Fi everywhere. Oh, come on. I'm in the middle of the woods and there's no free Wi-Fi. This country <laughs> right. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That would be so crazy. Uh, um, but like, I feel like that's just such an amazing thing to offer your citizens. And it's something that I think the United States could really use and utilize, and it would be a great thing for everybody. Yes. You know? Yes, I agree. I Without agree. Without a doubt. What else you got, Jared? Food. Okay. America, Monsanto, you're killing us. <laughs> Our food is garbage. And um, and I, I've, I, I came across a list of some random things that are – we that we use commonly in America that happen to be banned in other, I would say, uh, first world countries. Okay, such as uh, milk and dairy project products laced with RBGH. Recom oh god, reco reco recombinant bovine growth hormone. Oh god, is the largest selling dairy animal drug in America. RBGH is a synthetic version of natural bovine somat somatotropin BST, a hormone produced in cow's pituitary glands. Monsanto for, oh, there you go, developed the recombinant version from genetically engineered E. coli bacteria and markets it under the brand name Posillac. It is injected into cows to increase milk production but it is banned in at least 30 other nations because of its dangers to human health, uh, which include the increased risk for collateral prostate. Oh, excuse me. Co colorectal prostate. <laughs> collateral prostate. Colorectal <laughs> prostate and breast cancer by, promote, by promoting conversion of normal tissue cells into cancerous ones. Uh, Non-organic dairy forms uh, frequently have RBGH injected cows that suffer at least 16 different adverse health conditions including very high rates of mast mastitis that uh, contaminate milk blah, 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 with pus and antibiotics uh, it's banned in for example australia new zealand israel uh the eu uh so that's a lot of countries right there right, uh, canada right. and probably other ones too so there's uh one thing that you probably don't want um Man, I'm going to be avoiding dairy when I come back to the States. That's terrifying. Dairy is, yeah, dairy is not good for you, especially in the States or in the States. I never say in the States. Why you're getting, making me say in the States? You're tricking me. You can me. say America or, or whatever. Although I personally, just kind of a little side note, I think America is, is kind of an unfair term to use because you yes. have South America, you have Central America. So that's why here I've been trying to say the, the United States or the States. Um, I try. Also, I have. Mm -hmm. I tried to cut out saying America when I moved to Germany because I met South American people. 
And they're like, yeah, right. I'm from America Same. too. <laughs> right. And I'm like, come on, you know, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> right. But technically they are. Yeah. But it's like, know? yeah, no, but it's like, that's stupid because why can't it be? Yeah. I, and Canadians say, always say North America too. Right. But they're well, not North America is different too. Yeah. But I, I also have to say, man, I've told people this in, in the United States that, I really think the quality of food here in Europe is better. There's less chemicals. It seems healthier. Organic food is not that much more money than non-organic food. And the non-organic, the they're like uh-huh. they're non-organic is not as not as bad either because there's a lot more of those chemicals that are banned that are just so uh, exactly part of the natural process here in factory farms and whatnot. Right. And, yeah, and the only it's, it's the only downside to that, which the companies and a lot of people argue is that the they don't last as long in Europe, the food. But once again, if you're shopping yeah, more often but buying less, hopefully that food won't be going bad. Right. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I think, yeah, the food is a big issue. That's true because that well, you think would also lead to less waste because you're mm-hmm. buying more of what you need in the, you know, in the immediate future rather than assuming, hey, I wonder I'm going to buy this 36-pack of this and – and you know, put it in my freezer or whatever, and whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's just a different. Yeah, it's it's just different. I think people, at least, it seems like people in Europe are more mindful of these things because they have you know a lot of people in a smaller area, um, so you have to be more mindful of it, right? Whereas yep. in the United States, we have all these huge corporations that deal with our food. Do you want some and, more? Uh, I can give you some more foods that are uh, banned. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Genetically engineered papaya. Most Hawaiian papaya is now genetically engineered to be resistant to ring spot virus. Mounting uh, research now shows that animals fed genetically engineered foods such as corn and soy suffer a wide range of maladies, including intestinal damage, multiple organ damage, massive tumors, birth defects, premature death, and near complete sterility. By the way, this is coming from uh, eat local groceries. So who? But uh, I wish they would. But there are. I could. I could click on stuff and show you sources. But just believe me. <laughs> it's I, all I believe you, Jared. Uh, Whether or not our listeners do is another story. And where story, it's banned, but, uh, it's yeah. banned in the EU. Right. Like I was saying, I feel like foods here that they, they, yeah, they just have a different taste. They seem to be more fresh. But once again, I think because I buy less, um, but I go more often to the grocery store. It also helps for me. I don't have a car here, so everything I buy, I have to carry home. Right. Um, and my trip isn't a long trip. It's two, three minutes tops. But um, you have to be more mindful of things. And I think that also changes your decision making when you're grocery shopping. I definitely think about that when I walk sometimes, especially when it's you know the, in the middle of the summer. And I'm like, all right, I'm buying this chicken, but... I also know that uh, I want to stop at another place before I go straight home, so I should probably go to that place first. Right. And then, and then I, but then I'm buying something at another place, so my backpack's going to be already have stuff in it, and so mm-hmm. there are so it just that nat, the fact that you're living like that makes makes you a little bit more cognizant of what you're getting. Oh, absolutely. A lot another of, thing too. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 I was going to say something. I was going to change the subject. Go ahead. Oh, so was I. Okay, good. So uh, another thing, speaking of you mentioned like the summer, one thing I think the United States could learn from other countries is less use of air conditioning. I think that Ooh, air conditioning is one. really... N- <laughs> well, 
I think it I, depends I, I, on convenience okay. versus like convenience and comfortability, but also like how much energy are we wasting? Is it good for us to actually be in all these environments that are so much colder right. and then you walk outside and it's really hot? Um, you know, I'm not saying ban all air conditioning or get rid of it. Um, that'd be pretty damn I actually, extreme. To be but, fair, I actually try my hardest mm-hmm. not to like, I mean, in like the middle of summer, I'll use my air conditioning, but I I'm, I use my air conditioning pretty sparingly at my place. Mm-hmm. And um, like, for example, it's, it hasn't been out all day today and the temperature outside is like 70. And it's like, and, and, but yeah, like I remember when I, um, the, oh, the thing is though, I've just spent so much time in Europe and it's like, it's so great except for on um, the days when it's hot and this is like right. so hot in your room. And it's like, you, like they use like they use a lot more fans, but it's like mm-hmm. there's also then the loudness to like usefulness of the fan uh, ratio you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it's like, or I could just flip on this AC at night when I like to sleep with it a little colder in my room. Right, and I I agree with you there. I, you know, and I or better I better up, usage of the AC. Right. Yeah, maybe that's a better way to to put it. Better usage of the air conditioning. But I, you know, for me, it's, it's oftentimes where I will go places and in the summer, I, I remember before I moved to the Czech Republic, I would always wear jeans in the summer whenever I knew I was going to a restaurant or a mall or movie something theater. like that. Cause it's so, or, oh, for sure. A movie theater. Cause it's freezing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cold. Yes. That's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. You know, another one I was thinking of that uh, I actually haven't done much research into, but I was hoping you could shed some light on this. Mm-hmm. Gap years. Oh, yes, dude. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned this one. Gap years are, to me, it seems they're very commonplace um, in Europe, especially a lot of my German friends have taken gap years. They've I have either, either that, gone that, that somewhere. Too. What? I have friends that did too from when I or my sister did too, with us has friends that did too as well. And I know some people from France who've done gap years. And yeah, I think I think the problem is is that we're so focused in the United States of like trying to tell tell our our young people and our children you need to have a career, you need to know your job, you need to Well, that's the whole point of 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 going to school and this whole process. Exactly. Like, when I all think of this is just to get you into a job which I think is the wrong mentality. Life is more than just a job at a desk or a corporation or whatever, you know, I mean, eventually you're either going to retire or if you're not lucky, you're going to work till you die and that's it. And to me, it's, I just think life is so much more than just working. And so a gap year allows students to go somewhere new, you know, learn another language, maybe, you know, learn about another culture um, kind of the joke with a lot of my German friends is they say they, they go on a gap year to find themselves and like they joke about it, but it's kind of true. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm- I was telling my mentor the other day when I studied abroad with you in Vienna, you know, in 2012, that was a big growing experience for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I was already 21 at that time. I could have really used that, I think at maybe 18 or 19, I would have probably been even more mature and more prepared for whatever curveballs life throws at you. But I think that's that's the constant thing in life. There's you're gonna constantly have that hindsight and realizing how stupid you were. I think for the rest of your life. I think 
Oh, for sure. You, uh, if you're lucky, I think you're going to be 80 and thinking 20 years ago and thinking how stupid you were when you were 60 or something like that. Like, I think right. that is a natural part of, of growing up. But yeah, I mean, that is definitely something I've started to notice. Uh, not started to, but I've noticed. Uh, is just like how, how like stupid and how little I knew entering college and, and through college and stuff. And that's I don't know, probably still I, the case, I think. I don't know if you feel this way, Jared, but I feel like the more I learn and quote unquote the smarter I get, mm-hmm. the more I feel like I don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand that. Like that's that's as you learn, what you're mostly learning is how little you you know. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <laughs> exactly yes exactly I've, I've noticed that too and it's it's a uh, exciting but it's also kind of a bummer yeah so what so what do you, you you like the gap years would you did you consider a gap year was that ever an option in your head um uh, no because i grew up in the united states <laughs> college was forced down my throat by my school and by my parents right and don't get me wrong i'm very happy and also very fortunate and grateful I was able to attend Albion College and Michigan State University without a doubt. Um, I learned a lot and had a lot of amazing opportunities. But I think it could have definitely served me well to do a gap year. But I think so many people are so focused on, you know, oh, well, you have to do this on time and do that on time. And it, it, yeah. Um, as yeah. And I don't fully understand like. The financials, like, I mean, I guess if you save well, you could, but like the financials of just having a full year of not working. Well, a lot of the people I know that have done gap years either do volunteering in in exchange to like live with a host family or something, or they Mm -hmm. go somewhere abroad and they work. Um, Oh, okay. Right. So those are like the gap years I've heard of. Because don't you need a work visa? Uh, well, it depends. If you live in Europe and you're an EU citizen, like I had a German friend who went to Spain for a year and did a gap year there, oh, for example. Yeah, I guess that So makes if you're sense. an EU citizen, you can go in Work any anywhere. country in the EU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas for us, it'd be a little more difficult. Um, yeah. And then but at I that, it, know, it, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that. I was going to say, then I don't even know if I'd, I feel like calling it a gap year is kind of ridiculous in itself now that I think about it. Right. Well, I think I think the other issue with gap years is how we because then there's still that visualize them. Then there's still that um, assumption that like, well, I'm going to college like that's that's part of the that's part like that has to happen. But uh, I'm going to take this gap year first and right. Go find myself. I would I would also be willing to argue that I think at least in the United States and this is another thing. Excuse me. This is another thing that the United States needs to learn from other countries is that we don't need everyone to go to college. I know I sound like a hypocrite saying that. I've taught at colleges. You know, I have no, three I or four degrees. But like the po- the whole point of college is to prepare someone for a specific degree where you need those skills. We also need plumbers, electricians, um, you know, other like, you know, trade jobs that are very, very important. And you don't need a four year degree to do that. Yeah. And that have just and that have, you know, it, and these those jobs also have potential to uh, like make you a lot of money. You can have mm-hmm. your own business. You can. Right. And so it's not it's not like like there, it has this 
it has this sort of um, uh, what's that? Not a stereotype, but like a negative stereotype. What do you call it? There's a, a, neg- there's <laughs> a specific stereotype? word for negative stereotype. Uh, uh, negative. I'm gonna figure this out because now it's annoying me. Negative like stereotype. A bad reputation. No, no. Negative stereotype. A negative affiliation. Stigma. I don't know. Oh, a, a negative stigma. Right. Not a negative stigma. Just a stigma. There's this okay. stigma on, on those positions, like where, where it's like, well, if you do that or, or if you do this job, and you, you know, some job that doesn't require you going to college, like, you're you're not gonna make as much money as me. It's like I disagree, or I disagree with that, because because anyone can start their own business, right? And anyone can, you know, and that doesn't require college. I mean, it might help, but it doesn't require. It doesn't, you can learn that on your own without going to college if you were really that dedicated, and um. And all those jobs, you, any job that you name that uh, that is a trade, if you're good at it, more and more people will want you to do it for them, which will increase your uh, uh, income. Oh, absolutely. I, for example, I know a guy from my high school. I, I, I like randomly ran into him in this like dive bar in my hometown, and uh, I was talking to him, and I said, you know, the typical, what, what have you been up to? What are you doing? He said, yeah, I own my own plumbing business. It's been going really well. So he's my age. So he's 26. He told me now he makes about 80 grand a year with his plumbing business. And I can tell you after eight years of higher education, unless I get a director position somewhere, I'm never going to make 80 grand a year. Right. Never. Right. And, and he went through, I think, maybe two years of schooling. Yeah. And he owns his own business now, so I mean, eventually he could also hire other plumbers. Yeah, so there's yeah, and because yeah. he owns his own business, there's and he's only 26. There's way more potential, right? And he can grow. He can become as big as he wants, essentially. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I think we need more people to. Um, I think we have to, like you said, replace this stigma of trades. Yes, uh, I think there might be a stigma because it's hard work. It's not easy work. Um, you know what I mean? Like being a plumber, you you know, you got to get your hands dirty. It's a part of the job, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, a bad job. If you look at the pay, um, and everything else, and I'm sure too, depending on, um, how big or small your business is, I'm obviously no expert on plumbing businesses, but like, (laughs) I'm sure they probably have some flexibility and they can set their hours kind of when they want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because you could choose when you when you make appointments and stuff. So if you, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Uh, right. Do you have any? Do you have any ones that? Uh... I do. I got a couple of them. Okay. So the first one, which I'm really surprised we haven't touched on, really, is public transportation. Yes. I think if you are lucky and you're in Chicago, um, I've taken the BART in the like Bay Area in San Francisco. Um, some cities have New decent York, public obviously. transportation, right? But nothing compares, I don't think, to a lot of the public transit I've ridden on here in Europe. I think it's it's definitely more consistent in Europe, and it's more it's it's a safer assumption that there's going to be uh, a good public transport uh, transportation system, even in smaller cities, even if it's like a good bus system, and that's it. Right. I mean, I live in I live in a town of fifty thousand people, and uh, we have trains and buses. So, 
I can get anywhere I need to in the Czech Republic or in Europe very affordably. I don't need a car. So that means I don't have to pay for car insurance. I don't have to pay for gas. I don't have to pay for repairs. I buy my ticket and I'm on my way. I live in Mm -hmm. a, uh, in a, in a major city and I could take the uh, public transportation theoretically, but it's just not efficient enough. Like it would take way longer Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just not, it's not worth it. I'd have to wake up like an hour and a half earlier than I do, (laughs) which is already pretty early. Um, and so you get up early. That's true. I do. I do. Um, and so, um, yeah, no, I I agree with that. I did not touch on that one only because I, I I thought maybe I didn't because there are good examples. There are, uh, examples of, um, good public transportation in Mm -hmm. the U S but I think the, um, those are more the exceptions. Oh, I would agree. Like, if you try to get from one little town to another um, and you don't have a car, I don't know what you do. Like, you know, maybe they have Uber, maybe they point. don't, maybe you take a cab. But Uber would be expensive in comparison to, uh, like, you know, a bus ride. And if you're in the Czech Republic, exactly. they offer you caviar and stuff on those buses for free. Yeah, they do. You better believe <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I mean, public transportation is a big one. Um, I also think in Europe, so far, most places I've been, it's fairly clean. Yes, like you said, it's Philadelphia is a dirty city. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. They're also um, one of the few big cities that doesn't have street cleaning. Interesting. Like I didn't sweepers. know that. Or like they right. ha- not like a uh, like a citywide street sweeping okay. system. Huh. All right. Well, another one I got for you, Jared, and this also comes straight from the country of Panama is long tourist visas. So if you're a foreigner holding a North American or an EU passport, um, and there are also some other countries, you can give you can uh, get a six-month tourist visa in Panama. Wow. That's amazing. But I think uh, they, they almost, smaller countries like that kind of have more of an, like, they need to incentivize people a little bit more. Like it's it's an incentive to I- increase uh, commerce in P- Panama, I assume. Right. And yeah. so people in a lot of big European countries or you know American cities would be like, yeah, we don't need to do that. Right. But it'd be nice. I but mean, also it'd be a better way. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It'd be a better way to, you know, learn the learn the language and the culture and things like that. I mean, yeah. we, we have. If you're an American um, citizen, you can get a tourist visa for the European Union for 90 days, so three months, mm-hmm. which is okay. But, you know, it's w- what if you want to stay longer? Then, like, can you renew know. it? How do you renew it at, at from there? Or I'm do you have to, like, really go sure. back home and come back? I'm not really sure. I don't want to give our listeners, like, the wrong advice. Yeah. Right, exactly. I don't want to give them false information, but. I've heard, this is all hearsay, so it's not <laughs> obviously factual, but I've heard that you can Uh-oh. go out of the Schengen region and come back, but it also depends on Schengen the Schengen region? The Schengen region. Schengen is the, the whole area where once you're in the EU and your passport's stamped, like you might have to show your passport for certain things, but they don't stamp it anymore. And that's the Schengen region. Uh-huh, yes. Hmm. So I've heard if you leave that region and come back, but in theory, I thought the law said something about you had to leave it and um, like wait 
a certain period of time until you could come back. Well, so I really don't know. My question is, how long is it before you're a citizen? At what point are you just living there? Like, are we, do you move from tourists to just living there? Unless I mean, you're traveling the, around, like all. I mean, that's not that's not really possible um, to become a citizen like that. You'd no, I know, I but mean, that's what that's what I'm saying with the three month thing. At right. what point are you? It's like you're no longer visiting. You live there now. Like, not that you're a citizen, but it's like this isn't tourism. Right. That's true too. I mean, six months, you know, could maybe start to get into your living there. Um, I'm, yeah, and then I'm if, not and sure. then they can't. They don't want some some someone coming there that lives there and it's not paying taxes and stuff right yeah yeah i don't know all the nitty-gritty um bureaucratic details but but in general i agree with you though to be just to be clear and within principle i agree with you on that one right um i got another one jared that you slightly touched on a little bit earlier um when when we were discussing this segment which is Americans are just we're too damn busy all the time. Like they brag and they glorify yeah. not going on vacation and working all the time and like sending emails after work hours. Um, I got an email me, from my boss uh, yesterday at 1048 p.m. I mean, I didn't geez. see it till the next day, but um, right. <laughs> but right. I, I looked at that. And I was like, bro. Yeah. 1048. Exactly. 10, damn. I got I, I might work here in front of me. It was exactly 1048. Uh, that's crazy. And I'm like, I just saw that. I was like, uh, that could have like, you could have waited on that one, man. Exactly. What, what, what harm does it cause to wait until 9am the next day? And, uh, really, I'm actually going to read it to you. Just, it just, it's, there's nothing, it's nothing personal. All it says is, um, so we had a meeting planned, um, Uh and we had, we work in, in like a different building than, than, uh, like where the headquarters is, but it's right around the corner. And he says, Jared, if possible, please meet me in my office uh, at the head at the headquarters. Uh, I have a meeting at blah, blah, blah. So I'll be there already. And uh, so all he was saying is that he's going to be at that other building. So could we have our meeting at that other building? And I was like, you could have sent that to me th- like the next morning. You did not have to send that to me right. <laughs> at 1040 at night. And it's like, like, it's just small stuff like that where it's like, why are you even looking at your mail at, or at work stuff at this hour? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's part I, of the thing where it's like. At my company, at my company, at just most companies, um, especially once you hit a certain level, you can't progress or you can't be really noticed if you're not doing that kind of stuff. Which is awful. Yeah. In my opinion. For sure. I yeah, agree. I, th- I think we need to have a much better work-life balance in the United States. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's glorified to, uh, to, to work like a crazy person. Right. Okay, I only have a few more left for you, Jared. One, this one comes from Norway, um, and also other Scandinavian countries as well, which is their prison system. I think our prison system, it seems like to me the way it's designed, it's designed to punish you, not to rehabilitate you and make you become a better person in society. So when all you focus on is the punishment, people aren't going to learn how to, you know, when they're back, you know, in society to assimilate in a good way and be productive and not fall into those old paths. And, and you know, we have privatized mm-hmm. prisons. That's a huge problem. And so certain uh, there it's there's many, many cases of corruption where um, 
where wardens of, of, of private prisons and owners of private prisons will bribe uh, judges uh, to sway a case a certain way to get someone uh, in jail because, uh, you know, they need to get their numbers up. And it's because it's a business and the mm-hmm. asset is the or, or like the you're you know, you're making money off the people. You, right. you know, you're incentivized by having more people in your prison. Exactly. You're just for every head you incarcerate, you make more money, which is really messed up. Right. I think a lot of these like private prisons, some of them also will, you know, lobby with government, you know, government officials and and politicians and things. And that's also a really big problem. Um, yeah, because then they can write laws that will obviously incarcerate, you know, certain types of people or or what have you. And it's really just awful. I mean, we need really serious prison reform. But like, anything, how do you do that? Once, though? Like, it's- I don't I don't know. And that's the problem is once you have big money in anything like that, it's really difficult, I think, to because, change things. Because like because now because it's so ingrained into our society to like and that's the thing, like I I think it's it privatized prison shouldn't exist at all. So but, but like, how do you now deal with that? Because even though there are a lot of people are wrongfully uh, um, put in there and all that stuff, there are also people in there that should be in there. You know what I mean? There are actual right. criminals in there. And also. Right. Another thing that America has that is the highest uh, incarceration rate, as you were saying before. Land of the free, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, um, it's uh, sad is what it is. Yeah. Also, fun fact for you, Jared, this isn't really necessarily related to our topic, but in terms of the freest countries in the world, America is actually, the United States is number 15. Yeah, I believe it. So there's some food for thought for all of our listeners out there who say we are the freest country in the world. I think that's a lot of government propaganda for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, another I don't know. Thing I've too, seen a lot of videos of people shooting guns in their backyard with right. a beer in their hands. Right. But yet, if you want to drink a beer downtown, yeah, that's, no, that's illegal a, that's a in most no-no. places. You know, in most places. Yeah, yeah. I was just in New but Orleans. Yeah. I beg to differ. <laughs> right. Well, right. Obviously. Um, or a lot of college campuses on uh, football game days too. Oh, really? A lot of them, yeah. I think so. I don't know that. Um, yeah. Also, another thing I think the United States could learn from a lot of European countries is free college tuition. Um, I know we were arguing earlier about how we don't need everyone to go to college, but it's also a shame that any American who wants to further their lives and their careers who choose to go to college have to go in a lot of debt for loans um, for college if their parents aren't very well off or, you know, I mean, college is expensive. And yeah, like, like, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I'm sure I've told you this before, Jared, when my dad was going to college, which this would have been in the sixties, he told me his summer job, he worked full time during the summer and that was it all year long. And he said his summer job was enough where he could, Pay for a car payment, an apartment in downtown Ann Arbor, Michigan. What? Pay for all of his books and his education. He paid his tuition as well? Yep. How does that even make pay any for sense? all of it. I know it doesn't, but back that, then college that, was really if, cheap. If I did that, that would probably last me, not even including tuition. That's out of the question. But mm. like, <laughs> like just the uh, like just rent, uh, insurance, paying for your car. He has a, you said he had a car? Mm-hmm. And food and all that stuff, that would probably be like, I don't know, two months, three months of, of living <laughs> before I'd need a job. Right. And that oh, yeah, has nothing not really to do doable. with tuition. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, obviously, another thing I think the United States needs to learn from other countries is um, reforming our healthcare system. Yes. Yes. Um, the fact that we view healthcare as a business and it's for profit to me seems very alarming because we're talking about our fellow brothers and sisters livelihood and wellness and well-being and it's all about profits like there's there's this uh, um, really conservative guy out there named Ben Shapiro I'm sure you've heard of him before yeah and one time he he used the example I'm pretty sure it was Ben Shapiro he used the example that said if I go to a shop and I want to buy this fancy armchair that I can't afford I'm not gonna buy it and he equated that to healthcare. Oh, that's the example. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm like, how can you equate getting a surgery you need in order to function and not be in constant pain or be able to walk? Yeah, I guess I'll just keep this tumor. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it just to me, it maybe I'll save up sense. and in and in five years, if I'm still alive, I'll uh, I'll get this tu- I'll get this tumor taken out. Right. If like, I really and, want. And, if I really want it, I'll work for it. And we've seen people in the United States die because they haven't been able to afford their insulin. Yeah. So they ration their insulin and they die. And these have been people in their mid-20s, early 30s. Yeah, and dialysis, all sorts of things. And it's when, when people say that the United States is the richest country in the world, yet we allow things like this to happen, to me that's very alarming you know it's it's a shame yeah i mean that in itself is very revealing of of the mentality of of uh and a lot of people that are are in 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 the marginalized group uh don't even realize that they are and uh and and yeah it's 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 ridiculous all right jared well i got one last one for you and i think this one you've been asking me throughout this episode how can we even do anything about this? Which is a great question to ask. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing I think, or at least that, that the government makes us think, is voting. I think a, there are yeah. a lot of countries throughout the world where voting is either a national holiday. Nowadays, you can vote online. Some countries um, it's required. Right. And I, th- I think requiring people to vote is a little totalitarian, in my opinion. Um, but I think but at the, I think you're even allowed to vote. I choose neither of these people, but you at least have to do it. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that's fair. Like in Estonia, for example, you can actually vote on the internet, which makes yes, sense. That, they have Wi-Fi everywhere. Yes, that should be uh, that should mm-hmm. be. J Cole has a song. Um, ah, now I can't think of the lyrics off the top of my head. Um. But he ta- essentially asking, um, damn it, I can't think of the lyrics. And I have the song right here and I could play it, but I can't. <laughs> but anyway, he is essentially talking about, matter of fact, let me um, vote on, like, why can't we vote online uh, is mm-hmm. what he's, what the gist of what he's saying. I'm, now I'm right. mad that I. And well, and didn't they, didn't they say during the midterm elections or the, or the primaries or whatever, that cops were standing outside of voting areas? Oh, to, checking people's to, IDs and stuff. Right. So, like, if you have an outstanding warrant, you know, then you'll go to jail if you try to go out and vote. You know, there are a lot yeah. of tactics. And that's part of gerrymandering, too, mm-hmm. is exactly. uh, strategically making it so polls are harder to get, are farther away for certain areas. Right. Which is, 
Yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like in Switzerland, for example, anyone can mail their vote by mail a few weeks ahead of the election day. Some states can do that. Right. Not all, but some states. Um, <clears throat> in a lot of other countries, election day is held on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, right. So people don't have to worry about missing work. In India, election day is a national holiday, which I think in the United States, um, it should be a national holiday. Apparently... The Tuesday thing started back when um, people had to like ride horses to the polling centers, and oh, so and so they, they would leave on Monday or whatever and get. I don't know. Okay. That's maybe that's a myth, but um, okay. it is very interesting. Either way, it's antiquated and it's a tactic now that's more stuck around because um, just in general, people that have um, people that have more money are um, not only more likely to vote a certain way, but also it's easier for them to uh, get off of work if you make more money. Usually, like for mm-hmm. me, if I I vote the voting's on a Tuesday, and it's I could honestly just be like, hey, I'm leaving work a little early, and I'm gonna go vote, and they would probably be like, okay. But right. like most people can't do that. Right, especially if you're an hourly wage worker exactly. and you don't make a lot, you need those hours. Right, absolutely. And just so you know, Jared, if you ever decide to um, move to Australia. You can actually vote at any polling place in your home state or territory. So, oh, that's great. You know, I have to go to a so specific. So, there's like one by your work, right? Which I don't understand. I mean, I get that the United States is a very large country. There are many people, blah blah blah. But I mean, I feel like we could definitely make it more easy and user friendly for voters. We could make it so you didn't have to go to. You know, I had to drive an hour. Really? Back to my parents to go oh, vote, right. for example. And I made the drive and I did it because I think it's important to be a part of the de- the democratic process. But it's still sad that, you know, I, I either had to, I don't remember if I took time off of work or I had to miss class. Uh, I think I had to miss class and thankfully my professor was understanding of it. I mean, she actually encouraged all of us to go out to vote. So good for her. But um, right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I was lucky in the sense I, I work from home once a week. So I just mm-hmm. went during my lunch hour and, and luckily for me, cause I, and it's also, I'm a little bit luckier cause I live in a big city, but mine was like a, uh, maybe 10 minute walk from my uh, apartment. Right. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 that's part of the strategy. And that's another thing where it's like, how are we even going to, once again, how are we even going to fix the fact that yeah, voting fixes all those things is what you need to fix all those other things. But p- part of the strategy to keep those other things in place is is to limit certain people's ability to vote and mm-hmm. um it's it's like a double-edged sword it's like yeah vote to change these things but granted i say that but there's definitely way more people that can be voting that aren't like <laughs> there are oh, yeah, a lot of sure. people that that those excuses don't apply but this choose mm-hmm. not to and uh, oh, yeah. i think that's a little ridiculous yeah i agree 100 percent. so young people Get out there and vote. We need your votes. Also, get vote out there the and listen to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Untranslatable podcast for president 2020. <laughs> what can I say? Um, we'd, be, we'd be a good running team, I feel like. But uh, I would you rather so? be podcasting than in politics myself. But uh, I don't think we would be a good running team, especially we have too many. I mean, we already at, we only have, what is this, episode 27? We only have 27 uh-huh. episodes out. But I think that's that's already too many. We've already like said too much stuff for at least me. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. We've, in 20, those twenty-seven episodes, we've already said too much, 
And oh, I, I, I would agree. And Absolutely. I yeah. think that's all it takes for us to, for us to be out. Right. I was just uh, saying, you and I as a team would be a good like team if we. Oh, for sure. Were to be elected. That's yeah. We'd have a we'd that. have a fun uh, bus. <laughs> right. Make party buses a, a thing of politics. That'd be interesting. Well, they have like those buses. Party bus. I'm not gonna say a straight up party bus, but they have like those buses that uh, that you know people got used to drive from like Iowa to Nebraska or whatever. Right. And when we we pull up in our party bus and it's like <laughs> future president Jared Miner and uh, vice president Chad, because obviously you're gonna be uh, my <laughs> VP. My, my, yeah, cool my with VP. That. I'm cool with that. Um, well, Jared, I think we should. Uh, Switch gears a little bit. We've gotten pretty, pretty philosophical, a little critical. Um, I yeah. think it's time to to liven things up a little bit and let's uh, let's talk about the song of the pod for this episode. Um, so the song of the pod is um, by this uh, really good artist named um, Bamba Estereo, I think, and it's called Soyo, which means like I, it's it's me or I am. See, it's interesting where you put that. Um where you put that emphasis because uh in my head i was saying a stereo but okay. i now that i hear that i'm thinking that's probably just because i know the word stereo <laughs> okay but, but that might be the right way to say it you know i'm not a, a stereo, spanish right. native speaker nor am i a very good spanish speaker but that that be emphasis it. never crossed my mind right who knows maybe it's all the, it's probably all the check i've been hearing man that's yeah, probably what you're it just is. now putting the emphasis in the middle all the time <laughs> exactly um, but I want to read before we talk about the song. I want to read some of the lyrics for our listeners out there, because I think this is a this song has a really great message. Um, so I'm not going to read it in Spanish because my Spanish is not very good, um, and I don't want to mispronounce anything and lead our listeners down the wrong path. But um, the translation in English to the song is: um, I fell, I stopped, I walked, I got up, I went against the stream thing here it kind of means i went against the grain right right like you know mm -hmm. i failed i found myself i lived it and i learned the harder you get hit the deeper the beat um yeah which is kind of a weird translation but i think it's just like um <laughs> the harder you get hit i don't know it makes me think of like um like i i get knocked down but i get up again you know okay I mean? yeah you never gotta um, get me down Right, exactly. And then and then they say, I keep on dancing, writing my letters. Um, I keep singing with open doors, going through these lands. And you don't have to travel much uh, to find the answer. And don't worry if you're not approved. When they criticize you, just say, it's me. Yeah. So I love that line. When they criticize you, um, cuando te... Uh, cuando te uh, Bringing out this the is Spanish. Why I didn't go with Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try it here. So, cuando te um, um, critiquen uh, tu solo di soy yo. It's me. So, I really like this song. That it's all about no matter what people say, what they do, you just keep walking, you keep getting up, you just keep being yourself. Yes, and uh, the music video, which is uh, what I was watching while I was listening to the song, goes with it very nicely. It's this uh, little girl, and she's <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> she's just walking around her city, and um, she's uh, doing her own thing. Like she approaches some some people playing basketball, and she dribbles terribly. She approaches some people dancing, and she dances at them. These like pretty, these quote unquote pretty girls are like looking at her weird, and she whips out her recorder and just that blasts awesome. the recorder solo right part. in their face. <laughs> 
and what's funny too is the the little scene with those two pretty girls and her playing the recorder. You know, the pretty girls are trying to intimidate her by like looking at her in a negative way. She just got way. a fresh new haircut, is what it was. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she loved and, it. And exactly, and she showed those two snotty, you know, stuck up pretty girls by like just busting out her recorder and just not caring. You know. <laughs> She's one I of like the that many fregista attitude. She's she one had. of the uh, many fregista. <laughs> exactly. That has uh, made me like a recorder. Right. I f- cannot stand the recorder. The recorder is a waste of. Oh God, I hate recorders. Sorry. Yeah, my my niece <laughs> is actually learning the recorder, and I asked my sister about it, and she was like, "Yeah, it's it's interesting." Yeah, she's <laughs> like, "I have." dreams about sawing it in half (laughs) i feel like the recorder though might be more tolerable to start with than other instruments like violin if you start learning it's so squeaky or like if you went straight to like a clarinet right that would be even squeakier and squidward style yeah and you wouldn't even know how to probably use the reed anyway right but yeah so (laughs) this is just a great song um it actually i forget which fifa it was but it was on a fifa soundtrack which I have to say, they usually do a really good job of having a lot of great international music on a lot of the FIFA um, soccer video games. Yes. Um, yes, they do. And yeah, it's really catchy. How do you describe the music, Jared? Like the style or the feel or whatever? It was on FIFA 16. Um, Thank you. I mean, it's definitely got like a uh, upbeat feeling to it. And it's very... It's very... Um, uh, I don't know. I mean... It's just a. It's it's got. It's definitely. I mean, it's it's. They're they're Colombian. I don't know if you mentioned that. I did or, not. Or she's Colombian. Excuse me. I don't know why I said they, but she's Colombian, and it's got like a. It's definitely got like a um, very uh, Latin American sound to it. But it's also just a poppy song. I don't know. It's it's a. It's just a. She's a good singer too. She is a great singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the words sound really pretty in Spanish. Yeah. Um, oh, they really do. I did not do it good justice. <laughs> That's for sure. It's, 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 it almost kind of reminds me of like, um, what was that? Well, I mean, Pharrell's had a couple of these songs that like mm-hmm. just like take it's taken over a summer where it's about how he loves himself or whatever. Happy. Oh, that's probably what it was. Maybe Bruno Happy Mars had sure. one, too. But it just it, it mm-hmm. kind of had that kind of uh, hints of that to me. Oh, it's definitely super upbeat. I would agree, a hundred percent. I was definitely yeah. dancing in my uh, in my uh, office chair that I got for free. <laughs> Should have videotaped it, popped it on the gram real quick. <laughs> We're trying to gain gain followers, <laughs> Jared, not lose true. them. That's true. <laughs> this is why I should not be a social media manager. That's for sure. But yeah, so please, uh, everyone out there, check out our song of the pod, "Soyo" by Bamba. Um, este- este- Estereo, estereo. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, so my apologies. Maybe any of our Colombian listeners can shoot us an email or our yes. Spanish-speaking listeners. Let us know. It will be up on Twitter when this episode drops. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably also post it on Facebook, so check those out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope you enjoy. If it doesn't make you dance in your office chair, then we have failed you. Uh, no, no, we haven't failed. You failed yourself. <laughs> you are. You don't have a soul. <laughs> Fair enough. Go to, you, go to a psychologist immediately. Figure out why you're dead inside. Right. Calling them out. Yeah. Well, Jared, <laughs> as usual, this podcast is also aimed to help our listeners um, and ourselves get one step closer to becoming polyglots. And Be- as because, most of you... Let me say yeah. this, though. Mm-hmm. Chad is trying to... Ch- what you're getting at is that 
Chad is about to bring his word of the pod, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think what the goal, entire goal of this word of the pod is for you to never use these words again. Nuvete Anglitsky. That is what we're trying Ooh. to actively remove from your system. I hope to one day take that off of my soundboard. <laughs> I I hope to take it out of my vocabulary as well, <laughs> my man. Trust me. In borrowed times, I've asked people here, do you speak English? And I get blank stares or frowns <laughs> yeah, or that's whatever. A, probably a rough thing to uh, have to uh, deal with. It's not easy. And it makes small little tasks that you don't even think you know twice about in your home country so much more difficult. Like I had to pay my phone bill today. Mm-hmm. And everything, of course, was in check, so I had to have my laptop up. Move it like, Yeah, that didn't help me because it was all online. Um, okay. Does your Google it, Chrome not do like the automatic translate thing? Well, I was. So the weird thing is with with Vodafone here in the Czech Republic, which is my carrier, you get like text messages with your codes, and I got like three different types of numbers, and I wasn't sure which one I had to oh, put okay. in which box, and so it was really complicated. <laughs> Um, yes, but I I would like to be able to um, definitely delete the term Luvete Anglitsky, do you speak English, from my vocabulary the longer I stay here. And as Jared uh, was mentioning, uh, we are now discussing the, excuse me, the Czech word of the pod, which I did not give this one to Jared, so I don't think he knows this one. So I'm going to no. make you guess it. The word is Yidlo. 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 Can you give me a clue what family it would be in? It's a noun. Is it like a a bar? It's very no. It's very important. More important than a bar. Bank. You could get Yidlo at a bar, maybe. STD. No. Oh. Why would I? Why would I choose STD <laughs> as uh, my checkboard <laughs> of the pod? And I was are so you, convinced. Are you? 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 Are you suggesting that I need to know what the word for STD is in the Czech Republic, Jared? Do no, I'm just, I am, but no, I, I, I thought you were saying you're suggesting that uh, you're getting STDs at the bar. <laughs> no, you could get it at a bar. You could get it on the street, um, at school. A cold, sick. No, I don't know. Uh-uh. Yidlo is the Czech word for food. Oh, okay. That's just just food. Mm-hmm. Food. Yidlo. Want to get some? Do you know how to say? Do you want to get some yidlo? <sighs> or I, 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 I would like some yidlo. I mean, damsi yidlo would be I'll have food, but I don't really know if they say that here. Right. Um, yeah. My check. I gotta admit, man. Unfortunately, my check. I've been trying to learn it, and uh, I've been doing Duolingo every day, but it's just not getting me where I need to go. But you so haven't started to... the lessons yet because you were in Prague last week. Also true, correct. Yeah, that will be starting next week. So hopefully after those lessons, I'll be you able to give everyone more phrases. Uh-huh. You mentioned du- Duolingo. Have you been um, pretty consistent with that? Mm, I'd say maybe four or five days a week. That's not bad. The, yeah, it's okay. But the problem is, too, like so much of Czech for me is brand new that I'll do, I'll do a Duolingo uh, lesson or a couple lessons for like 10, 20 minutes. And I'm exhausted, dude. It feels like my brain <laughs> has been doing gymnastics or like running marathons. Like, right? Because it's starting tough. Zero. Right, and it's and like, I'm not really planning on using it with the students at my school. Um, so for me, it's it's difficult to find the same type of motivation I had when I was learning German. 
Um, but you know what? The, go ahead. I'm that's surprising to hear because I feel like you'd have that motivation just because you're like because you started learn when you started learning German, you weren't fully immersed into it. I almost feel like you'd have more of a motivation to learn Czech than German. But see, the problem is, man, I go somewhere and I don't understand anything, and then it. I think it could work one of two ways, and maybe I just need to change my mentality of it. But when I go places and I don't hear anything, and I feel so damn lost that I just am like, I'm like, part of me feels like defeated and like, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to take so much time just to understand basic, basic things, um, which then in turn makes me a little less motivated because I know, you know, it's a big time commitment and not that I don't necessarily want to spend the time, but I know it's going to be very hard work. Yeah. It's not like German where I had a lot of, you know, different sources of input. Whereas if it was family, um, I dated a couple German girls. I'm obviously not going to be dating any Czech women. I don't think my girlfriend <laughs> would appreciate that very much. And there was, there was a, well, Chad has a very quirky relationship and, uh, <laughs> no, um, and you, the, you, when you started learning German, it was there was more structure around it because you were taking classes as well. Exactly. So I'm hoping these classes will help a lot uh, because, yeah, as I said, I will just go places. And it's not even like – I would say I'm lucky if I understand like 2% of what they're saying, yeah. if that. Yeah. That does – I understand where you get to a point where it's like I, 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 don't, even, I don't even know where to begin on this. Like you, exactly. Exactly. And but, like, even if I memorize phrases, when someone responds to me, then I have no idea what they're saying. And I can ask them like why or what, but if they just say the same thing they've been saying, it's not like I'll understand what they say. But that's you know? why I think once you start getting the lessons, I would hope that some of that um, feeling would go away a little bit because that's a contained space for you to uh, immerse directly into it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would so agree. In that space, it'll be your chance to to really dig into it rather than just plunging into the abyss. Right. Because it feels it feels kind of like if you had never been swimming before, but watched a couple videos on swimming <laughs> and maybe talked to a few people about the basics of swimming, <laughs> and then somebody just threw you down a river with a big current. You got it right? Move your right, arms. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> there have just been so so many times where people will say things to me and I just have no idea what the heck they're saying. And I think I've mentioned this on some previous episodes. The difficulty with Czech is there isn't really a lot of word stress and intonation like there is in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more flat. So it sounds like it's all just big chunks of language. Right. Um, instead of, you know, here's a word, there's a word. Um so, yeah, but we'll see. Um, I'm not giving up hope yet, but uh, it's definitely more difficult than I generally had anticipated. Yidlo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Food. Uh-huh. It's an important one to know. For sure. And Yidelna is cafeteria. Okay. So the nice thing is when you do start to learn some Czech words, there are others that, um, you know, have similarities. So you can guess and so you can like as so like at work at when it's lunchtime, you can like pop your head into one of the classrooms of one of your colleagues that doesn't speak English and be like, Yildelna? exactly. And they'd be like, uh, how do they say yes there? Yo, I know. I know. That's right. I know. I know, so, I know it was a O somewhere. <laughs> uh-huh. 
But I've also heard some checks, and I've been meaning to ask my mentor about this. I've heard some checks in conversation drop the syllable ah and be like, no, no, no. Okay. And to us English speakers, that's a little confusing. Yeah. Wait, what's but yes again? Ah, no. No, a I mean, sorry. O. What's no? Sorry. No is ne. N-E. Ne. ne. So it's ne mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. essentially. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that, that so, could yeah. definitely throw you off. Or uh, just imagine if you're a Spanish speaker when no has like not, no, exactly. nothing. <laughs> exactly. And I think the languages that you you have in your brain, either as a native speaker or second or third or whatever language speaker, it does influence the way you um, learn other languages without a doubt. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. But sure. that's a that's a, a conversation for an entirely other episode, um, and I want to um, give you some jokes today, Jared. Um, so here we go. So Jared, why do hamburgers go to the gym? I know the answer. Do you really? Yeah, I think I don't answer? know to get buns of steel. Ooh, that's that's probably better than this punchline. But here it is to get better buns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what was the SpongeBob quote? Yeah, buns and thighs, or something like B- that. Buns and thighs. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gotta love SpongeBob. All right, Jared. Which this is more of a riddle, really, than a joke. Actually, the these next three are actually more riddles than jokes. But what? Um, which building has the most stories? I don't know. What is it? Libraries. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, Obviously, a- <laughs> this one's easier if you see it. Which building has the most stories? Because it's... Actually, no, never mind. Both of those Stories would be the spelled the same way. Yeah. Yep, they're still spelled the same way. So never mind. That was a, a stupid comment. All right, the next one. <laughs> you call yourself. It's okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> how many apples grow on trees? I don't know. Come on, bro. All apples grow on trees. Okay. 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 Right? I told you these are more riddles than jokes. Right. All right. So what often falls Sorry, but I, I, never <laughs> gets hurt? Sticks. I mean, that's a that I would give you that answer. Um, but the answer My I ego. have here is <laughs> yes, especially after these horrible riddles. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, here the riddle is what often falls but never gets hurt, and that would be rain okay all right i like stick better i'm gonna go with Mm -hmm. stick i do too jared but i think in general they both have similar i mean they're both Mm -hmm. inanimate objects so i mean yeah any inanimate object that falls you could say snow that's great that's a great one oh yeah i like that one too right yeah um I think uh, <laughs> ego was probably the best answer, though, for sure. Although we're like, uh, what else falls? Uh, right. Um, exactly. Well, Jared, it's that time to send all of our listeners off with a quote of the pod. And since we were talking about things the United States could learn from other countries, I figured it would be important to end our episode with a good quote about learning. So this is from Benjamin Franklin, who Ooh, a lot of people... That's right. Who that? Benjamin that. Franklin. Like, yeah, I just like using that one. <laughs> right. Um, and he actually... A lot of people, for some reason, think he was a president of the United States. He actually never was. No. Um, so interesting fact. But our quote tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, from Benjamin Franklin is, Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. 
involve me and I learn. Wow. Pretty philosophical, right? Yeah. I feel like it's pretty true though, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're 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 embracing that in your new city though, you know, even though you're talking about being overwhelmed, you're also on the on the other side of that, you're joining a choir and singing songs in Czech. You're going mm-hmm. to these Czech ho- hockey games. And I think stuff like that, uh, doing more and more stuff like that is how you, is one of the best ways to learn uh, Czech as well. Oh, absolutely. Or any language um, yeah. or yeah, culture not just Czech, of in course. that matter. I'm I would agree Czech with you 100%. That's what you're doing. Well, I want to thank you, Jared, because you just made me feel a whole lot better about my, uh, <laughs> my Czech learning journey. Yeah, man. So thank you. I would also like to thank all of our amazing listeners out there. Um, Please check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Um, Pretty much, as we said earlier, if you're especially if you're in Estonia, you got internet connection, you can find us somewhere. Um, Please check us out on Instagram at Untranslatable Podcast. We've tried to be trying to post things up a storm, so take a look at all of our interesting pictures. Um, and also clips, uh, made by Jared, which have been great. So thank you again, Jared. Uh, also check out, uh, our Twitter feed, untranslatable one, shoot us an email at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. If you have anything that we could learn or, um, other countries, um, do that either in the United States or even in Europe, uh, we could learn from, we would really love to hear from you. Also, please add us on Facebook at untranslatable podcast. And uh, thank you all very much. And until next time.